Sports Pen on ESPN-UB, online with our app, Tanner Hoops, with you on Wednesday afternoon. Delighted to have you with us. John Michael Hofling, Sports Director at ABC10 here in Marquette, is with us. You're the big man now. Nobody else around. I, I mean, know. it's show's all yours. I know. That chair, uh, it's the first time it's been empty. Yeah, we're missing Rachel. Yeah, but, missing Rachel. No, nah, man, but you're back and... Uh, Shoot, it's been a couple of weeks. I was downstate last week, but you're back, and uh, mm-hmm. you know you've got well, you've got a lot that's been going on here lately with March Madness and what have you. Maybe a little breather before it heats up again, because yeah. tomorrow we've got March Madness, we've got baseball opening day, the Bucks, Pistons, and the Red Wings are all in action. So you enjoy this now. There's somewhat of a break. I mean, it's somewhat of a break, but like at the same time, you know, when you're a sports director. You crave, you crave some sort of action, and we're not seeing that right no, now. No, not as much as we should. Yeah. Tonight, we don't have any team up here in action anyway. Everybody's crazy. everybody's off, and uh, we got to figure out something to cover. It, it's weird to think about. It's like it's like those four days, you know, mm-hmm. like when baseball season has the All-Star game and you just don't have anything for four days, mm-hmm. and you're like, what are we talking well, I, about? What do you do? Yeah. And yeah, that was the thing. Uh, we had... Northwoods League Baseball during that time. So we mm-hmm. had a little bit of a break, but that won't be the case this year. Nope. I tell you what, something we can break down, though, we're down to the final two in the greatest movie of all time voting. Ooh. Uh, final four, we got those votings uh, taken care of earlier this week. We had Remember the Titans, who won the football bracket, against Space Jam, who won the basketball-slash-hockey bracket. Remember the Titans took it, 63 to uh, 37%. On the other side, you had the Sandlot, the baseball bracket champion, against Happy Gilmore, the miscellaneous champion. Happy Gilmore beat the Sandlot 57-43, so it's Happy Gilmore against Remember the Titans for our listenership's favorite movie ever. Is it just me, or does Happy Gilmore seem like a bit of a Cinderella? A little bit. I, a little I, bit. I like Happy Gilmore, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but uh, to take down the Sandlot, such like I a agree. well-beloved movie. Mm-hmm. But... For whatever reason, and I'm not, well, I shouldn't say that because I love Happy Gilmore. It's hilarious. Uh, it just does surprise me that it made it all the way through. You think it has a lot of chance of beating the, or beating Remember the Titans? Remember the, I don't know, because Remember the Titans is such like, just the name is iconic. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to see it to know how like good people or how great people perceive it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. If I was if I was a movie movie bracket analyst, I would say you know <laughs> bet on bet on Titans. I tell you what, uh, does it surprise you that there's no recency bias either? Happy Gilmore was made in 1996. Remember, th- the Titans is from 2000. I think that's good, and like I, I don't think there should be a recency bias. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if a movie's good, it's good, mm-hmm. and if it passes the like the. Uh, the time test. Like, some movies aren't as good now right. as they were back in the day. Space Jam, I think, is one of them. So I'm a little surprised Space Jam made it to the Final Four, too. But uh, I think Happy Gilmore and Remember the Titans both do. There are some movies that are able to stand the test of time. Like, I, I'd be okay with going back and watching uh, certain shows. Like, 90s episodes, like mm-hmm. stuff from the 90s, like Friends, that's a big thing yeah. still. Yeah. I mean, that stands the test of time. Uh, they've been teasing making a sequel to the movie White Chicks, but that's come under fire recently, so this yeah. may not be the right time for it. I hear they're bringing, trying to bring back, like, Drake and Josh, too. Yes! I'd be all in for it. I would be all in on it. And, you know, Drake uh, and, like, the actors themselves do seem to think this has some momentum and mm-hmm. it would be more of an adult-themed comedy, you know, it would target the age that it targeted earlier as a kid's show. I would love to see it happen again, yeah, though. And I'm glad that they got over their fight because 
if they're fighting in real life, that still makes me upset because I remember them as cartoon <laughs> characters. Yeah. Well, not a cartoon, but you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I uh, no, but I tell you what, we've got sports to break down. Uh, the NFL owners' meetings this week in Arizona, and they decided on some rule changes, most of them involving replay and expanding it for a trial season coming up this year. So the NFL is opening their door to reviewing non-calls and expanded replay, what have you. All that reviewable, uh, especially for pass interference coming up for this season on a trial basis. It all stems from the infamous ending in the NFC Championship game uh, uh, back in January. There's going to be some benefit to this, I tell you what. I I definitely think there's benefit. We have the technology to get a lot of these calls right, and we should. At the same point, though, uh, you have a sport like baseball. It's concerned about speeding the game up and what have you. Football doesn't need to worry about as popular popularity like baseball does but does it need to worry about replay slowing the game down killing momentum and making it boring for fans you know sitting there and watching an official go to the monitor over and over do they have anything to worry about in that regard well i don't feel like so i've heard both sides of this argument and i feel like it wouldn't slow the game down because it's still you still only got two challenges as a coach mm-hmm. as long as they keep the two challenge rule i think that's fine because there the, the what I hear is there's holding, there's always pass interference, there's always some form of holding or chop blocking or something going on every play. And I imagine that the rule is going to be the coach has to come to the referee with a specific person to look at, like look at number 70, he held on this play, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does the coach have to keep his eye out or do players have to keep their eyes out for specific people, but you only get two a game. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like it's not going to slow down any more than before because you have to be strategic with when you use it, which one specifically you want to call the pass interference on. I, I, I like it. I, I like it. I hear people saying it opens up a Pandora's box of they can you know just call anything. I just don't see it, though, because as long as you're limited to two, it's never going to go insane. Think about the headache that officials and replay uh, replay monitors and what have you are going to have to deal with on Hail Marys to the end zone. We could yeah. be there a while. Well, that's the thing. Well, actually, if it's in the last two minutes, the referees have to review it. Well, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in general, if the referees didn't call a pass interference, why would they review it? Mm-hmm. If it's in the last two minutes where the referees review what they deem reviewable and they don't call anything, why would they review something where there was no call? Mm-hmm. Unless it's a score, they're not going to review it. But like last year, where they had the no call in the NFC Championship game, that would be something that this rule is directly correlated yeah. to. Yeah, I would say that that needs to be reviewable. Mm-hmm. I mean, every other facet like of football said that that was a pass interference call, mm-hmm. which I agree with. It, it was. was, yeah. Yeah. But if we keep the rule where... Less than two minutes, only referees can review. Mm-hmm. Then the refs aren't going to review that. I think that needs to be looked at too. But for a trial season, I think just saying, "Hey, you can review this. Try it out." I mm-hmm. think that's fine. Are you a little surprised they're not doing this at a lower level first, like the AAF, like Major League Baseball is experimenting with the electronic strike zone in an independent professional league out in the Atlantic area, uh, but. The NFL is going directly into implementing that into its policy. It seems like this would be something that the AEF would be 
directly built for is to help out the NFL. They're a feeder system, and everyone's kind of taken on that identity there in the AAF. It seems like this would be something, if they were going for a trial season, they would try in the AAF first. I know the NFL doesn't have uh, direct authority over the AAF, but in a way they kind of do because the AAF has learned that its role is to be a feeder system for the NFL. If they're going to adopt this as policy, you know, that's fine if they just want to make this a permanent rule change in the NFL. But they're coming out by saying this is going to be on a trial basis and see how it goes. Does it surprise you they're not doing this in the AAF first? Not really, because there was such a huge backlash after the NFC Championship game. And the the NFL is so finicky. They're so fickle when it comes to what their fans perceive, because they like so drastically want to please all their fans. That's why the whole kneeling situation was taken care of almost immediately. That's why whenever people think that there might be an issue with concussions or blindside hits, they make a rule immediately to get rid of it. So they did the same thing here, where I think they're overreacting and like they want to just do something so quick so that way they can be like, hey, you see, we, we fixed it. Like, Don't freak out. We fixed it. We fixed it. It's not going to happen again. We're gonna, it's going to be all good. And it's a slippery slope. Because if you keep doing that, eventually it's going to turn into flag football. I tell you what, the NFL is not the only one changing the rules. Cliff Kingsbury doing it as well. He made news by stating that he's going to allow his players to take phone breaks. About every 30 minutes, he's going to give the team time to go out and check their phones, what have you. I tell you what, I don't hate that move, to be honest with you. I know, like, for me, if I'm sitting in class, okay, we'll go back to when I was in college. If I'm sitting in class, I hear my phone buzz, and it's a class where I can't get away with using my phone, what have you. If I feel that my phone buzz in my pocket over and over, like my group chat's going off, or I wonder who's texting me, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm missing out on so much that I can't focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. So in that sense, I do kind of get where, where Kingsbury is doing this. I don't know why he had to categorize the break. Like, if he would have just said, I'm going to give my players breaks every 30 minutes, no one would be talking about it like they are. But he had to quantify it as a phone break, which is why everybody's making this something that we do here on Sports Radio and bring it up. Yeah, I, that's like that's that's a good way to look at it. I, never, I didn't think about it like that. If he hadn't categorized it as a phone break, no. we would be talking about it. But going back to, like, when I was in school, I always operated where it was like, if I if my full attention is on something, it's only going to be on it for one to two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I can't give my full attention to something. My mind's racing way too much. And my phone allows me to sort of go back and forth, back and forth. And when I'm looking at something, I can fully give into it. And yes, that would take some time away from the lesson. But like when I was playing water polo, they would uh, we would be studying film or we'd be drawing up plays on a whiteboard or something. But that doesn't mean that when I was looking at my phone, I wasn't invested in what we were doing because I'd quickly go back to it. I was invested into it. These are professional football players. Football Mm -hmm. is their life. So to say that they wouldn't be interested in what's going on, I think is inaccurate. Right. They're going to be invested in what's going on. They want to win. They Mm want to do best. They want to earn that dough. Right? Of course they do. Yeah. So I think giving them breaks is just is just a way of saying, so we're going to give them breaks so that way when we are going, they're going to give their full attention. But that's not going to be the case because no matter what, you can't give your full attention. Like during those breaks, they're not going to give all their attention to the phones. Right. right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be constantly going back and forth, maybe between apps, talking to each other. So when they have those 30-minute breaks, or when they have the 30-minute 
uh, lessons now, if we want to call it that, mm-hmm. they're still not going to have full attention. I think it's, I think it's a short-sighted idea by Kingsbury. Just, mm-hmm. It sounds like something uh, Generation X would say to sort of make it seem like, oh, I know what I'm doing with this new generation. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think it's going to work. We get the older generation listening right now thinking, you guys are pathetic. Move your phones. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, I would love to give up social media for Len. I considered it, I, I, but it's too much of my job. Yeah, I would do that, too. I I'll, mean, I'll, we I'll... know what what's going on in the world largely because of social media. Yeah. It's vital for, you know, our job, I yeah. would say. But that being said, I still don't like social media. No, I know, I know. Yeah. I, at one point, I was one of those guys who, like, had to check his phone every 30 seconds or I'd get anxiety. I'm not that way anymore. You know, I use it mostly for work purposes, sometimes funny videos, what have you. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not addicted to social media. But can you focus better when, you know, you have you know that you have your affairs in order? You know, if somebody's messaging you and you wonder who it is, uh, you've got something that, you know, might be pending, could be important, I don't know. Uh, once you know that you have all that taken care of and it's out of the back of your mind, it gives you the ability to focus on something ahead of time. And I, I don't know. I'm, I kind of like this idea from Kingsbury. I'm just not sure that I like how it was presented. Well, here's the thing is in your example, it's like you need to check your phone every 30 seconds or else you're going to get anxiety. Mm -hmm. So how would it feel if somebody forced you to not look at it for 30 minutes now? Right. Would that increase your anxiety? Would that increase like... A few years ago, I, I, for me, it would have. Yeah, yeah, but for some people, that's still going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be sitting there for 30 minutes going, I need to check, I need to check, I need to well, When's that 30 minutes come up? They're going to be more focused on when the break is coming up rather than what's going on in mm-hmm. front of them, I feel like. I agree. And, I mean, that's that's why I like this idea. I just don't really like how it's presented. You know, why call it a phone break? Why say that you're going to let your guys take extra breaks specifically to check their phone? Like, to me... Kingsbury is trying to distance himself maybe a little bit more from the, you know, stagnant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, generation that's been in football for a long time. He's trying to show that he is part of a new wave of football minds, and he already is. You know, people know that he's this offensive guru, and that's why he's got the job that he does. He's basically just going to be a glorified quarterbacks coach. And someone else, Vance Joseph in this case, will handle the defense. I just can't think of a reason. Like, what's the motivating factor he's trying to separate himself from, you know, the current state of football coaches? Uh, Because his reputation exceeds that. His reputation's done that for him. That's why I don't get. Yeah. I mean, he's new. He wants to make a mark on the league, I assume. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he has the team to do it like Sean McVay had. Yeah. But, like you said, it's just handled poorly. He needs to learn how to handle the media. Like, he keeps, he he still has Josh Rosen, and still, he refuses to stop talking about Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think he knows how to handle the media yet, and, like, what the media will take out of things he says. But, that being said, I think he's still a good coach. Like, he wouldn't have the job if he wasn't a good coach. Danner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with you. We owe you our first time out when we come back. Official opening day is tomorrow. Should your team be optimistic, or is this a rebuilding year? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. 
Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Thanks for being with us on your Wednesday afternoon. Opening day officially tomorrow. I know we had the Japan Series, which was cool and what have you, but mm-hmm. I like the thought of a traditional, a true opening day. And for the rest of us who aren't fans of the Mariners or the A's, we get that tomorrow. Twins are going to take on Cleveland. I saw Pablo Sandoval made the Giants. Yeah. Made the opening day roster. Well, he made the. He's not going to start for the Giants. No, no, no. But he's he's there. I mean, his presence, his energy, what he brings to the clubhouse, has been more impactful than anything he's done on the field in the last know, couple of years. It's been different ever since he left. Like at least from like how I feel with the Giants. Obviously, I'm a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. It's been different ever since he left for Boston because there was, it was a very ugly breakup between yeah. us, between us and him. He he said something along the lines of how he didn't want to return. He would only miss. Uh, Hunter Pence and Posey and, Bo- and Bochi. He said he missed Pence, Posey, and Bochi. Yep. So, and it, when he came back, oh, he apologized and stuff, but he didn't apologize while he was in Boston. So it was just sort of like an. Uh, he tried to save face and say he was just angry because the Giants wouldn't give him the money. Mm-hmm. Aubrey Huff clapped at him for saying those things. It, it hasn't been the same. I, I like Pablo, but he's not the same sort of. Go- he's not the panda anymore. It no. feels like. Tell you what, you brought up Aubrey Huff. I love Aubrey Huff. He's like the gift that keeps on giving. Like, as a baseball player, he was okay. You know, he hung around the league in a while, never really blew the doors off. Well, yeah, but he he accumulated that probably through longevity more than, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, his ability to play. I've got an Aubrey Huff foul ball. Nice. How'd you get that? Uh, From a game. Well, what, what, what (laughs) It was the. Actually, my brother was the one who got it, but. I don't know. I like to think of it as mine somehow. Um, it was the last season at the Metrodome, and Aubrey Huff is at the plate. I think he was still with Baltimore at the time, and he drills this foul ball where we were sitting at the third base line, and it ricocheted off a guy's hands a few rows in front of us, and then my brother ends up getting it. It's got the logo the last year at the Metrodome on it and everything. Nice. So that's cool ball. It's the first time that I've ever come that close to having a foul ball or anything <laughs> like that. So I like to count it. Yeah, I've, never, I've never got one. Never I've got been, one. I've been, a, I've been to a lot of games, I feel like. A lot of games at O.co, uh, at AT&T, even to a couple games at, like, at Nationals Park. But oh, really? Nothing. Yeah, and okay. Petco, Petco. And Petco. And now the newly renamed Oracle Park. Yes. You like that? Uh, it's still O.co to me. Like, <laughs> it's always, it, it hasn't changed in forever. Yeah. And it's n- undoubtedly one of the, I, I don't want to say this, but like it's undoubtedly like one of the lesser parks in terms of quality. Right. Everybody knows it, but still it's like a landmark and it's great. I, I love the fact that the Raiders play there too. Yeah, and you're not the Rays. Yeah. You're not playing in a place like the Rays, which is a complete dumpster fire. It's not like I lo- every time I go to a game at Oracle Park, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. The, right. a- the A's fans are great because mm-hmm. you know there's more when they're doing good, but even when they're doing bad, you have your diehards and they're always fun. You always have the people banging on the drums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's great waving the flags out beyond right center. It's great. I tell you what, I just had to check because I didn't know off the top of my head. Giants are playing the Padres tomorrow. Four ten start. Yeah. Mad Bum will be the opening day starter. How optimistic are you for your Giants? Not at all. <laughs> Giants. The Giants have not realized that they need to rebuild. Yeah. Posey is not the same player as he was. Brandon Belt has yet to find his power. Stroke. Every year I hear people saying, "Oh, this is the year Belt breaks out for, mm-hmm. for power," and this is what's going to happen. This is what happens every year. 
He'll hit four home runs in the opening series. Everybody's like, he's, he's power. We, we got rest of the year he'll hit 14 home runs. That's it. Uh, pan, panic is good. I, I love Crawford. Yeah. Crawford's always going to be good. Longo had a great spring. Mm-hmm. And then we, our our outfield is a bunch of I don't even I don't even know who our outfield is. <laughs> Michael Reed made the opening day roster. He just I, got traded from the Twins earlier this week. Great. <laughs> yeah, who is that? Yeah, I didn't know who he was when he played for the Twins. <laughs> uh, you got Eric Kratz though. Yeah, he'll be our third string <laughs> catcher. Like we got two Brewers behind Posey now. Actually, two former. Who's Brewers. the other one? Stephen Vogt. Oh, I didn't know what ended up happening to him. Yeah, he he's he's on the Giants. Now. Okay. Yeah, and Nick, it's weird because Stephen Vogt was an A, mm-hmm. Nick Hunley was a giant, and now they switched. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Giants should not be optimistic. A's, A's can still be optimistic, sure, but I think they're going to regress this year. Anyway, yeah. I tell you what, uh, I did a segment yesterday. I was not in agreement with the MLB.com power rankings. Our power rankings here at ESPN came out today, and I'm much more in agreement with these. Uh, Let me give you the top five. Boston is number one. Houston's number two. That's the way I thought it should have been. MLB.com had them flipped. To me, I know Houston's built themselves up in this offseason. They added Michael Brantley, who, if he stays healthy, is going to be fantastic. He's an upgrade over Kemp or Marisnik or whoever they had in the outfield before. Uh, they re-signed Bregman. They re-signed Correa, Verlander, too. But Boston's had a pretty good offseason. They're the top dogs until somebody says otherwise right now. So for yeah. me, I still think Boston deserves that number one spot. Yeah. The Yankees, provided that they can get back to full strength, they're number three right now. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Dodgers are at number four. Brewers are at number five. They were ninth behind the Cardinals in MLB.com, which I didn't get at all. But I like this for the Brewers. I sort of, I sort of get. Uh, I feel like the NL Central is going to be the best division in baseball. Today. Yeah, yeah, and I get where everybody's saying. Like, if I, I did a package earlier about the Brewers' season, I currently have them finishing second in the NL Central yeah. at ninety-two and seventy. Mm. Um, I have them making the playoffs as a wild card, but every team in the NL Central made is going to be better this year. Yeah, and I think of all the teams, the team that made the least amount of improvement was the Brewers. That being said, I still think they have the best team overall other than starting pitching. I mm-hmm. think they have the best lineup and the best bullpen by mm-hmm. far, right? I mean, with the bullpen they have, Council needs maybe five to six innings from their starters. Yeah, but you still need five to six innings. Um, like, I don't think Chassin is going to have the same sort of season. I don't think uh, Freddie Peralta hasn't, you know, come up the way that people thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff can, like, Provide something. They need to take a step forward. Yeah, they need to take a step forward. But we haven't seen that. We haven't seen that yet. And until we see it, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that could go right, and I I like the addition of Yasmani Grandal. But Yasmani Grandal is not going to get on base as much as Pena did. Right. He'll hit more home runs, have a higher slugging, but he's not going to get on base. Mm-hmm. So. It, it, it works both ways, and we're hoping that Jimmy Nelson can return to his 2017 yes. form. That's a big question mark too. So there are a lot of question marks. Whereas a team like the Cubs, that they get they they now get Cole Hamels for a full season. You Darvish is healthy again. That's just they're other, your division champs. Yeah, they're my, 90, okay. 97 wins. Mm. I, I have them, and then I have the Cardinals finishing with 91. So yeah. I think it's all going to be really close. And then the Reds finishing fourth, Pirates finishing fifth. Do you think that they can send three playoff teams out of the NL Central? I think they could. Every team, I think the Cardinals, who I have finishing third, mm-hmm. are better than the Dodgers. Do you? Okay. I think the three best teams in the NL 
Okay, okay. No, maybe not that. Because I also think the NL East has their elite teams. Mm-hmm. But I think those three teams are better than anybody in the NL West. Mm-hmm. And I think the Braves, Phillies, and Nationals all have a chance to be better than any team in the NL West as well. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the end of, we're not worrying about the NL West. The wild card, right. other than maybe if the Dodgers and Rockies just beat up on the Diamondbacks, Padres, and Giants, maybe. Mm-hmm. But... I'm more. Wor- I'd be more worried about the NL East and NL Central. Where do you have the Padres finishing after their big acquisition of Machado? They get Kinsler, they get Hosmer in the off season, and Hosmer uh, came last year. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I meant Kinsler yeah, in the yeah. off season, but yeah. they did bring over Hosmer, and then Tatis is going to make the opening day roster. Yeah. They have a good infield. They have a very good infield, and I like their starting rotation too. I love Joey Lucchesi and what mm-hmm. he brought last year. I have them finishing third. Mm. Uh, the Diamondbacks, Zach Greinke, continually, uh, for the last three years, his fastball velocity has dropped. And, yes, he was great last year, but it's going to continue to drop, and eventually it's going to catch up to him. Cor- Patrick Corbin's no longer with the Diamondbacks. No more Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. A.J. Pollock is hurt 90% of the year anyway, So and he's on the Dodgers now. So right. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. No more A.J. Pollock. It, it, like... David Peralta is going to have to be their main run producer, mm-hmm. and he's never been a run producer. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to, like, he could pull a Christian Yelich, maybe. Maybe. Where he goes from table setter to run producer flawlessly, but I, I don't see it, personally. No. Uh, I tell you what, you look over at the NLEs, the most revamped division in probably all of baseball, uh, MLB.com had the Nationals number five in their first power rankings, which I didn't get. You know, they lost their best player. Mm-hmm. Well, they did. Oh, come on. You I really think you that know, the Nationals... You know how I feel about Harper. I, he was the best player in that team, though. Uh, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. I th- he still was the best player. I, I don't know. I would take Harper over those guys. But they do have a lot to feel good about. I mean, you've got guys like Soto and Robles who are combined 41 years old, and they're mm-hmm. going to be around for a long time. And you added Patrick Corbin this year. I don't know that that makes them the favorite in the NL East by any stretch, though. So that, that's where I disagree with MLB.com. That's my boldest prediction for this year, is that the Nationals will return to the playoffs as division champions. You think without, so? Without Harper. Why yes. is that? Because I, I just Harper was not a good locker room presence. He continually fought his teammates. There was a whole lot of drama last year surrounding him, whether they were going to extend him before that's the season answer. ended. good yeah. answer. And now that weight has been lifted. Ryan Zimmerman, I'm, I'll bet that he's going to have a bounce back season, full season from Juan Soto. Victor Robles is going to be an outstanding table center, and if Adam Eaton can stay healthy, them as a one-two punch up top is going to be outstanding for Rendon to take out. It's it's going to be great. And then the, the, here's the thing: they have three table setters in their lineup, and I think this is something that the Nationals could do. They could maybe go put the pitcher at eight. Nine go Adam Eaton and then have Eaton into Robles and Turner at one and two. How amazing yeah. would that be? Mm-hmm. That'd be an insane lineup. And then you have the power, the power hitting guys, Soto, Rendon, Zimmerman, all coming up after that to drive them in. And I love that. I think that they, as a team, work that traditional lineup setting where it's you have your speed guys and your contact guys followed immediately by your doubles and your home run guys. Whereas the Whereas the Phillies don't necessarily have that. I think the Phillies' biggest problem isn't going to be their lineup. That'll be fine. It's Mm -hmm. their lack of starting pitching depth behind Nola. Mm -hmm. Arietta isn't as great as he once was. 
And their bullpen is still a little bit of a question mark. I mean, I know, uh, what's their manager's name? Kapler? Kapler. Kapler, yeah. Former Milwaukee Brewer. Yeah, he loves to mix and match his guys. But you have David Robertson, one of the best closers in the league when he's given that role, but you're going to mix and match and maybe not make him the closer? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. Talking about the NL East, will Florida – they're not Florida Miami. anymore. Will yeah. Miami – that's uh, five points off for me. <laughs> will Miami win 50 games this year? Yeah, the, I, think, I think they're better than the Orioles. You think? Yeah. Will but, any team finish below 50 wins? Maybe the Orioles. Maybe the Orioles. I mean – They're going to be uh, bad well, again. I, I, th- I think the Orioles are a little bit – in a worse situation because I think the AL East has really good teams too, whereas mm-hmm. the NL East, like the NL East could be good, but I think the Braves were a bit of a fluke last year. I think they're still good, mm-hmm. but like name five players on in their starting lineup. Right. It's, they don't have the star power. It's like trying to think of anyone in the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Fultonevich had a breakout year, but I think he's going to regress. Mm-hmm. Tehran ha- hasn't been the same for the last two years. Right. Um, they don't have Kurt Suzuki anymore, who was a great platoon with Tyler Flowers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get, I, I get that they get a full season from Acuna and Albies now. Well, they had a full season from Albies. Swanson hasn't d- developed the way they hoped. Right. Mark Hakis isn't going to have the same year, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, the teams in the NL East are a little more unproven and inconsistent than the teams in the AL East. So, I think the Orioles have it a little bit worse. If any team is going to finish under 50 wins, it's going to be Baltimore. John Michael Hoefling in the studio with us. We owe you a timeout. We didn't get to the Tigers. We'll do that after the break in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Just across the bottom of the hour, here's your Sports Center update. San Francisco Giants owner Larry Bear has been suspended 84 games by the MLB. Last week it was announced that Bear would not face criminal charges after video surfaced showing him involved in a physical altercation with his wife. Yesterday was an up-and-down day for Iowa State men's basketball. Sophomore big man Cameron Lard announced his intention to transfer, but the Cyclones locked down the contract of head coach Steve Prohm, extending him through 2025. Prohm has guided Iowa State to three NCAA tournaments and two Big 12 titles. And finally, Body Armor has a couple of new spokesmen. Mike Trout and Andrew Luck are the newest spokesmen for Body Armor. They have the best commercial I've ever seen without an exaggeration. I love it. I need to see it. You'd need to see it. They are dressed in disco costumes, dancing, and promoting Body Armor over Gatorade. I don't even know if I've had Body Armor in my life, but I might now because I loved this commercial. I love the Andrew Luck in this commercial. Like, give me disco Andrew Luck. Like, inject that into my veins if you can. For me, anything that involves Andrew Luck becomes infinitely better. Yes. I mean, he's so positive and everything. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that about Andrew Luck. Like, and I like Mike Trout, too. But mm-hmm. Mike Trout doesn't have that same aura to Right. Him. Yeah, I mean he's good, but you know, and he, he, he gets the, paid. And he yeah, get, he doesn't have the personality though. Right, and you're happy, you know, to see him get paid. But like Andrew Luck coming back from injury and being successful, you were just ecstatic over that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're so happy when he succeeds. Uh, I love that when we he's having more fun this off season than he did last off season. Well, Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, he can't. Afford, he couldn't afford that last <laughs> off season. If he didn't come back and 
blow everybody out of the water, mm-hmm. people were going to start to question it because they're like, oh, is he actually healthy? You know, but now that he's proven, he's like, no, I'm fine. He can just like sort of relax more. We're going to have this contest where listeners call in, do their best Andrew Luck impression. <laughs> we're going to do that at some point this year. Oh, I love Andrew Luck. Uh, his voice is just not enviable, but I, I love the guy. That, that's my only downside to Andrew mm-hmm. Luck. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you in the sports pen. Glad to have you with us. The Detroit Tigers are coming into this season maybe in the same boat as the Giants and quite a few other teams, and that's not with a whole lot of optimism. How many wins do you have the Tigers finishing with this season? Ty- okay, so I keep going back and forth. I haven't finished my AL Central rankings yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have those on Monday. I'm, I'm doing a package on them, so we're okay. reviewing their season. But it keeps. I keep flipping back and forth whether or not I'm going to have the Royals or the Tigers come last mm. in that division. I think each one of them is going to finish around 62, 63 wins. I'm more generous, I think. I had them at 69 and 93, which I think a lot of Tiger fans would do backflips for. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I can't say I wouldn't see it because with a, with a team that's – in such a rebuilding phase. I mean, Miguel Cabrera coming back is definitely going to be good. Right. But And any team in a huge rebuilding phase like the A's were just a couple of years ago, just all of a sudden everybody's going to be like, oh, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. And then all of a sudden hits you with 97 wins, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But they could surprise a lot of people. Any team in that situation could surprise people. The Giants could, but they I, could. I, I wouldn't bet on it. Jordan Zimmerman will make the start tomorrow when they're up north taking on Toronto. They run into Marcus Stroman. I know he played on the team last year, but I think a lot of Tiger fans are going to be surprised to learn that their catcher is Grayson Griner. Some guy named Grayson Griner. Yeah, I mean, nowadays with catchers, you mm-hmm. never have a, you never have a big – there are only like five big-name catchers now. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean – Jordan Zimmerman's your starter. I know. Your opening day starter. That's great that's in 2012. A, yeah, that's a tough scene right now. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, there are a lot of things to look forward to this season. Like, mainly, you know, Jacoby Jones might be able to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know Tiger fans have got to feel bad enough about what's coming up. I don't want to pile it on or anything like that. They've got some young guys on that team. We'll see if they can translate. Like, Kristen Stewart, he came up toward the end of last season Look pretty good. I mean, uh, he should promise. I like Candelario. I yeah. think if he can, if Candelario can decrease his strikeout rate just a little mm-hmm. bit, make it a little bit more contact, I think he could easily hit 290 mm-hmm. or something along those lines. They're so looking at be, him being the leadoff guy this year, so he would off, have to. Really, he would have to decrease that strikeout not, rate. But uh, I saw a projected lineup that has Jamer Candelario in the leadoff spot. That surprises me. I might be a little surprised if that's the case I tomorrow. Mean, but then again, like Anthony Rizzo was a leadoff guy too, and that mm-hmm. worked out. I don't know. Base, baseball's changing really fast. Yes, it is. Uh, let's see. Who else did we have that we were going to go over? Well, we're in the AL Central. Uh, how about Paul Dolan, owner of the Cleveland Indians, saying when we were to ever pay somebody $300,000 or what have you is the day that somebody gets a billion-dollar contract? That tells me that Francisco Lindor will not be a Cleveland Indian next season. So he will be the big prize in next year's free agent market. I think the Indians would be smart to keep Lindor. They would, but I don't think they're gonna. The Dolans hate to spend money. I know, but Cleveland they, fans will tell they, you they got rid of Brantley. They did. Brantley, Brantley's not on their team anymore, so that opened up some space. Mm-hmm. They got rid of Cody Allen. They got rid of Andrew Miller, so that opened up more space. I think that this offseason was sort of opening space for Lindor specifically. Mm-hmm. If they are gonna give a guy a huge contract and. 
here's the thing. Are we going to put Lindor on the same level as Machado, Harper, and Trout? I would take Lindor over Machado. Really? I would. I'd probably take him over Harper, to be honest with you, because of the position he plays. I would probably take... uh, Well, so here's the thing. I I think Harper got a lot of his money because of his star power. Mm -hmm. Not his stats. Francisco Lindor doesn't have the star power that any one of those three players has. Does he? I wouldn't say so. I don't know. No, I mean, like, Machado has all those gold gloves. Right. He, he's, been to the, he, he, uh, he's been to the playoffs. He was in one of the, one of the biggest games a couple of years ago um, with, with, with some with the Blue Jays. I can't remember. But there was, like, a huge moment in that. Uh, Machado has, like, made names before. He was in the World Series last year. Uh, there was that whole thing with the Brewers. Like, he's, mm-hmm. like it, that wasn't good publicity, but it was still publicity. Right. Whereas Francisco Lindor, like, what has he done? Well, he's not as recognizable, but that doesn't, for me, Would you say take he, away from his from what he brings to the table as a player. Uh, I, I don't even know if he's the best player on the Indians, on the oh, infield. Oh, I think he is. You think, think he's better he than is. Jose Ramirez? Oh, yeah. Really? And they're going to have to pay him both at some point. Well, they're going to, yeah, yeah, but which one would you rather pay? You'd rather I'd pay rather Lindor. pay Lindor. What, what about Lindor intrigues you more than Ramirez? I trust his bat more and him in clutch situations. I mean, I'm not saying Ramirez isn't clutch or doesn't have a bat you can trust. You know, there's not a lot of difference between those two, but I like Lindor just a little bit better. Okay. Do you think if the Indians get rid of Trevor Bauer, that would make more sense for them to keep Lindor and Ramirez? Or like, I just don't see them getting rid of Bauer. I really don't. There's so many rumors, though. There has to be something going on. I know, and I know, and I know Bauer's got that kind of personality that I would not be shocked to see him become a diva in the locker room and uh, start to become someone who has a negative effect on the team. I just don't see them parting ways with him. He's too much of a fixture for them. And Lindor, I mean, he's a phenom, but he's only been there, this will be his fourth season. I just, I don't know that... This is what they're building toward. I think they're freeing up cap space like the guys you mentioned. Uh, Josh Donaldson's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Lonnie Chisenhall's not there anymore. And they certainly didn't take up the cap space like the guys you mentioned, but uh, they help. I don't know what they're building toward, but from what I heard with Paul Dolan the other day, I just don't see them planning for Francisco Lindor in their future. Maybe they believe Jose Ramirez is a better fit for their future rather than Lindor. And that's what they're freeing up space for, to try and sign him. But I don't know that Lindor is going to be back in, the, in an Indians uniform next year, which I'd be very happy with. If I, was, if I was Dolan, I would shell out everything for Lindor and Ramirez. Because mm-hmm. they're the only two players you got left, it seems like. They are, yeah. Yeah, and, and, but in, in, a, in a division that isn't seeing very good days no. and isn't really set for the near future either, you have a chance where with those two guys alone, you could have the best offense in the division and be in the playoffs for the next six years. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have, if you lose one of those guys, all of a sudden the White Sox with just Jose Abreu could end up being better. Well, the White Sox are building something special they, they, over there. Keep an eye out yeah, for them. They are, but as long as as long as Ramirez and Lindor are in the league, they're going to be the two best offensive players in that or. or on the Indians, they're going to be the two best offensive players in that division. I just feel like pitching matters more to Cleveland. Like, they invest in starting pitching a lot more, and they're going to invest their money in guys like Bauer and Clevenger and Tomlin and guys like that. And because pitching is what they're really after. That it Just the way that I've seen them uh, built over the last few years, to me, that's what I think they're going to invest in. I, I would agree with that. 
I think that they should invest in pitching. I mean, you're talking to a guy that watched the Giants win three yeah. World Series off of no offense and pitching. Yep. So, if they're going to do anything, they should invest in pitching, right? Keep Kluber, keep Carrasco, keep all those guys. Or, and build your bullpen as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, how about Minnesota? I was going to change the subject, but if you've got something else, keep going. Well, but you're also talking to a guy who's looking at the Giants who are drastically dying for any sort of offense now. Mm-hmm. And it's because we refused to add players in their prime or keep young superstars. Like, we we kept Hunter Pence for way too long. Mm-hmm. We refused to sign Pablo Sandoval, which ended up working out, but he was young, and I think in the Giants system he would have still been a good fit. Mm-hmm. Posey, we refused to... I mean, we got Joey Bart in the draft, but Posey, like, we're keeping him behind the plate for too long because that's reducing his power numbers. We're keeping Belt for too long. We refused to add... We, we went after Harper, but you know how I feel about Harper. Yeah. Yeah. I like Joey Bart, though. I'd I like, like to Joey see him Bart, come yeah. up to the major. I got to see him play in college when would, he was at Georgia Tech. They came up to Notre Dame. I was at that series. I would love to see halfway through the season, Joey Bart sits behind the plate, Posey gets moved to first, and Brandon Bell gets moved to the outfield. Yeah, why not? I would love to see that. Or you could just come to the American League and have a DH. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Before we hit the break, how about Minnesota? I mean, I, it's hard to recognize a lot of names on that team, but mm-hmm. I tell you what, they were six under five hundred last year. I have moderate expectations for them. I think they'll be better, probably an above 500 team. I'm not thinking well, well, World I, Series by any stretch, maybe not even playoffs, but you know they'll be watchable. They'll probably be a low 80s win uh, team. Yeah, they'll be watchable, but um, I don't see them improving this year. I mean, no, no more Eduardo Escobar. Well, right. yeah, I mean, they lost him, they lost Dozier, but they replaced them with guys like... Uh, Jonathan Scope, Nelson Cruz has something left in the tank. No, nothing, Nelson Cruz does, yeah. But Nelson Cruz is no... The, the, the biggest problem for the Twins is what? Pitching, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you don't have good pitching, you need to have a good defense. Mm-hmm. And Nelson Cruz can't play defense. No. He'll and, be the DH. Yeah, and neither can Jonathan Scope, really. No. Yeah. Uh, I would say that Dozier is a better defender. Oh, yeah. He than, is. Than, than Jonathan Scope. He is. So... I get what they're doing with their pieces. I love Eddie Rosario. Yeah. Eddie Rosario is fantastic. If it were up to me, he would have been an all-star last year. I like Eddie Rosario a lot, too. He's yeah. probably my favorite on that team. Mm-hmm. But your problem wasn't the offense last year. No. Never really has been. It, yeah, exactly. So you need you need to increase your pitching. You need to increase your defense. And they did neither of those things. They went. I mean, they improved their offense, but pitching wins games. I'm hoping Barrios takes that step forward and he can be the number mm-hmm. one option for them. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to get out of Michael Pineda. That's going to be a whole mixed bag, mm-hmm. but we'll find out. I think he has the Sunday start this weekend. Uh, Kyle Gibson seems like he has one good year for every three. He doesn't consistently take that step forward. So pitching is going to be the wild card for Minnesota, and they don't have a late-inning guy or a set late-inning closer, what have you. Which is fine. I mean, a lot of teams are moving away from that set one. And got, I mean, the Phillies with uh, Kapler aren't doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. The Rays had the best post-All-Star break ERA and didn't have that guy, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had Colome doing it for a little bit. but um, Yeah. Uh, for me, it's going to come down to whether or not those those guys that you said, Berrios, Pineda, Gibson, can they throw strikes? Mm-hmm. You force If you force people to hit... You'll do fine. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem for Gibson, Barrios, and Pineda has been 
their walk rates. Yeah. So no free passes. <laughs> you, your team doesn't even have to play defense with free. But they can't even play defense. Right. So just, I mean, if you don't allow free passes, that's going to limit your runs. Nelson Cruz drives in your guys. And hopefully you can win games 3-1 to one or something. Williams Ostadio is going to make the opening day roster, too. Love that guy. Looks so unathletic, and there he is. He's like, he could be friends with Bartolo Colon. You know what I would actually love? Mm-hmm. If the Twins signed Bartolo Colon. Yeah, bring him back. When That's they made guy. the playoffs a few years ago, he was a big part of that. No, yeah, he, I mean, he, he is. Everywhere he goes, he does better than people expect. I know. <laughs> and he, throw, he, he throws strikes. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. I mean, if you don't want to bring him back as a starter, you can bring him back as a long reliever or maybe even, like, a sixth-inning, seventh-inning guy. Mm-hmm. But why not? I mean, this is a guy who fans love. Yeah. People, people will come to the ballpark just to see Cologne pitch, mm-hmm. right? And you, he wouldn't have to bat. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't get why he doesn't have a team. Right. I mean, are you telling me that there's someone out there that really couldn't benefit from him? Uh, Yankees are in a bad situation with their pitchers right now. I don't know if they're oh, that bad. I don't, but. They're th- I don't think they're that. I mean, Jay Happ for a full season, he was spectacular. Well, they're gonna they're gonna be shorthanded in April. They're gonna be missing Sabathia, Severino, Aaron Hicks is an outfielder, but he's he's gonna be hurt for a while. To me, the Yankees have the lineup. Uh, Didi Gregorius, when they get him back, uh, will help a lot. They have a great lineup, but to me, you need a better number one option than Luis Severino. He's good, but well, I don't J. think Hap. he should be a one. J.A. Happ. Yeah, but they're going with Seve as the number one. Uh, but is he really? The, I mean, last year the Giants had Ty Block as their opening day start. That didn't mean he was the number one guy. I think they are calling on Severino to be that number one option, though. But he, I mean, he was great last year for the first half. I mean, as long as he can return to that first half form, he lost a little bit of control, kept mm-hmm. going up and away. So if he can return to that first half control, he'll be he'll be phenomenal. I feel like I, I wouldn't be too worried about Severino. I'd be I'd be more worried about guys like Tanaka who can't stay healthy and haven't yeah. proven to be uh, on that level that they were hoping. John Michael Hoefling in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, March Madness resumes tomorrow, and the All America teams have been released. We'll break them down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Off the air, we got into a debate about second baseman. Uh, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with me. He likes DJ LeMayhew quite a bit. I do, too. I agree that that's a fantastic pickup for the Yankees. Went into the break talking about the Yankees. Then we started talking about Brian Dozier. Brian Dozier was my favorite twin. He was my favorite baseball player, and then he got traded, and I it broke my heart. I have a jersey I don't know what to do with anymore. And John Michael Hofling disagrees with me where I say that Dozier has awesome hair. He had awesome hair with the twins. Well, what does he have now? Did he shave it? With the, with the Dodgers, it was like a sort of mohawk type thing. No, he didn't do anything different. He, yeah, he looked he like did. he had the same. I think he did. Dozier's hair is phenomenal. It's a national treasure. <laughs> I love Dozier. I miss him. I couldn't. I don't know what. I've got a bunch of jerseys collected by now of guys who are no longer with their respective teams. So I've got Dozier. I've got Odell Beckham. I have a Joe Mauer jersey that got here like two weeks before he announced his retirement. So I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation. Well, my brother has a, a sunny gray jersey with the A's. Mm. With the a, back when he was something, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's become a journeyman. Oh, boy. Joined the Cincinnati Reds. It's crazy to think. Like, because he 
was supposed to be the next big thing. He was supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. I was hoping that the twins would get him at one point. And, eh, yeah. Now I'm glad I get, well, I don't know. Maybe he'd have translated for them. Maybe he's better than, like, three of the starters I have right now. I don't know. I don't know. I th- I still like him. I still think he could be some for the Reds. He could be. Maybe. Could be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, NCAA All-Americans. The first and second teams came out yesterday. First team, not a lot of surprises here. You've got a couple of Dukies, Zion and R.J. Barrett, Roy Achimura from Gonzaga, John Morant from Murray State. Maybe the most surprising is Grant Williams from Tennessee. Do you agree with that first five for first team? Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, that group. When it comes to first team, it's not what it's not it's not. Oh, do you agree with it? It's, as long as there's nobody who's like, how the how right. in the world. I tell you what, you look on second team and you've got Carson Edwards, Ethan Happ, Marcus Howard, DeAndre Hunter, and Cassius Winston. Maybe my only complaint with this is I might have put Cassius Winston on first team instead of Grant Williams. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not going to be upset by that. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but that's about my only gripe with it. This is such a good year for guards, though. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this was you know, two years ago or maybe even last year, uh, I, I would consider putting Cassius up in first team, but John Morant and R.J. Barrett are just so good, and I understand how people could say that the, the, he, he's not as he's not on the same level as those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I like Cassius and what he's done this year. I just feel like Michigan State keeps getting snubbed. Like they were good enough for a one seed. Maybe that's not as much of a snub because they have three really bad losses to teams who didn't make the tournament. But the committee's reasoning for it was, you know, they leapfrog Kentucky for winning the Big Ten or something that just did not make sense to me. Uh, but I don't know. I like Cassius and what he brings to the table. Uh, it's hard to argue, though, against I, I, I like what he brings to the table, and he'll be great in the NBA. Right. But, but it, w- would you say he's better than R.J. Baird or John Morant, though? Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm saying Grant Williams would probably be the oh, guy okay, I would take okay, out. Okay. Uh, that's... I mean, I mean, and nothing against him. He's a fantastic player, and he was big for Tennessee uh, this far in the year. I just don't know that he's the guy I would take over Cassius Winston. That's about my only gripe with it, but otherwise, I think it's a good list. I think it's a pretty good list. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not too focused on that, you know. He got the recognition. Winston got the recognition he deserved by at least making it to the team. Yeah, it wasn't first team, not what he was hoping, but uh, take what you can get. Well, I tell you what, March Madness gets back on track tomorrow. We've got four games to open up the Sweet 16. If you're hungry for basketball, if you're that hungry, I think we've got two NIT quarterfinals tonight. It, no, not not really. Not doing it for it, you. It's just not the same. No. It's, I think Lipscomb is playing North Carolina State. Lipscomb? Lipscomb. Okay. Apparently that's, I don't, I don't even know where that is. I don't know what their mascot <laughs> is, but they have a chance to go to the NIT Final Four, which, by the way, Wichita State is going there. I like Wichita State. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. They beat Indiana last night. It was a top seed. So they are on to the NIT Final Four, if anybody cares. I don't really. Probably not going to watch it. Uh, um, it's like why I don't watch the AAF. Yeah. It's like there's just a better version of it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, tomorrow's games, though, you've got... Florida State and Gonzaga, Purdue and Tennessee, Texas Tech and Michigan, Oregon, Virginia. Out of those games, which stand out to you? My favorite, I think I'm having a hard time picking between Purdue, Tennessee, or Texas Tech, Michigan. I think, I think, I mean, it's going to be a good, those are going to be good games. But I'm really looking forward to seeing Virginia, Oregon. 
Are you? Okay. Yeah. Well, just for the strict reason of, there's no Cinderellas this year. Right. Organ is the only thing that's like even remotely close to being considered a Cinderella at this mm-hmm. point. And then, so you have the only remaining Cinderella against the team with everything to prove. They have mm-hmm. so much on the line this year. If they don't make it to at least the final four, I'd say it's going to be cons- it's the the what the lost what's, season. It, well, it's a lost season, but what's the the program? Right, is going to be in decline just because people are going to look at it and be like, they couldn't beat a twelve seed. Right, and the year before they couldn't beat a sixteen seed. So. I, I really want, I really want Virginia to win, but I can't help but think that there's so much pressure on them to succeed that I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, collapsed under it. Yeah. No. Well, how about uh, Michigan Texas Tech? Let's break that down a little bit because you've got two premier scores mm-hmm. in Culver going up against Xavier Simpson, but you've got the defense that Texas Tech is able to slap down. That's what they've been known for this season. Uh, I'm excited to see that defense and Brasdakis because one of those two is going to lose their cool, whether it's Texas Tech's <laughs> defense or it's Brasdakis. One of those two is going to start to get a little hot under the collar tomorrow night. I don't know which, but I can't wait to find out. I, I mean, I would think it's going to be the defense. I didn't even think Texas Tech would make it this far. Mm-hmm. I thought Buffalo would take them out. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked Buffalo. I mean, we're in the pool together. You, yeah. you know how poor my bracket's doing. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't bet against Michigan. Yeah. Because Michigan's one of those teams where they win the games they're supposed to, and they're supposed to win this game. Mm-hmm. But they'll, they, they'll lose the games that they're not supposed to win, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they went 0-3 against Michigan State this year. Right. And everybody, nobody's saying that Michigan State is a worse team than Michigan. But other than Michigan State, they didn't really have any problems because they didn't really face anybody that gave them problems. I, I think Texas Tech might be the best competition they faced this year other than Michigan State. Mm. But uh, they're not better than Michigan. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're threatening that threatening at all. I've got Michigan winning this regional. Uh, Gonzaga, do they have anything to worry about with Florida State? No, nah. I thought Florida State would lose in the first round too. Did you really? I mean, it was a close game with Vermont. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, but Florida State, nothing nothing impresses me with them. Yeah, uh, they're they're good all around, but they're not great at anything. And Gonzaga will Gonzaga is like. Florida State 2.0, where I don't think Florida, I don't think Gonzaga is that great at anything too, but they're just better at everything than Florida State. You've got Tennessee almost limping into the Sweet 16. They survived yeah. the scare from Iowa after blowing a 25 point lead. I didn't think I didn't think they'd make it this far. No, either. no. I, well, the SEC has always been weak in terms of basketball. So, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody was like, every time Tennessee gets any sort of pressure, anytime they get in a close game, they crumble under it. So I I thought I thought they'd get knocked out, and I'm surprised they haven't been. Purdue is a better team than Tennessee; they'll they'll knock them out. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. I'm yeah. thinking Purdue's going to take this one, and shoot, it's going to be here before you know it. If you're not going to watch the NIT tonight, just save the appetite up for tomorrow. A huge day tomorrow. Huge I can't day. wait. I can't wait. Plus opening day. Yeah, we're well, spoiled. I know it's it's so great. I mean, I got I got I'm going to need like three TVs. Man. Yeah. You're going to have opening day, and then you've got four March Madness games tomorrow night. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a fun day. Appreciate you as always, my man. We are out of time. We'll look forward to talking again next week. Yeah, absolutely. I always like coming on here. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. You're yeah. the man now. You're the new Rachel. Oh, don't put this on me. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, that's it for us once again. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan on ESPN-UP.